welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode. Every couple of weeks or so, our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, get together for a roundtable discussion. So here's a few minutes for free so you can see what all the fuss is about. All of this came about, you know, saw, saw a couple articles as we often do. One about robot therapists that really, you know, they, they, they may have existed before the pandemic, but of course they really uh, landed on the scene as the, uh, you know, as people were being locked in their homes and having their mental health quickly deteriorate. So we have AI therapists in apps that you can chat with and so forth, which sounds kind of, I guess, depending on where you're coming from interesting and potentially helpful or horrifying. And, but the flip side of it, if, if you particularly if you come down on the horrifying side of the debate, on the flip side, you've got the total lack of access to mental health care. And, and think globally on, on, on this one, even if you just think within modern wealthy countries, you might think, yeah, we don't have enough access to mental health care. Now think about a person in a you know poverty-stricken country or farther away from centralized you know communities where access to a cell phone is far far more prevalent than access to to therapists and you start to think okay well maybe maybe we need to inject some technology into our therapy who wants to stake out a position and start this conversation the first thing I thought about when we talked about this offline was the the AI portion of it, and I was horrified. So I guess I'm in the uh, that's a dystopian <laughs> nightmare front. But I, healthcare, you know, mental healthcare as it stands is inadequate, and to disrupt it tech bro style with an AI that I, I don't know what goes into programming something like that. I have no clue. I don't know what the algorithm is. I don't know how much it can learn about human beings. And But it can't possibly come from a place of, of genuine mental health care expert form. It's so, so to have to push that off and have a cold, fake, cheery or what, whatever bot talk to someone who's already in a place where they feel like they need to talk to someone and have them not talk to someone literally. It just seems like the worst possible scenario. Yeah. And I'd, I'd have to agree because I, while I do understand the argument of like, it's better than nothing. I think that in this case, we might be answering the it's better than nothing with something that could be worse. <laughs> That's, that's my concern. Maybe it's not worse right now because we're in these early stages where these tools are relatively simple, but we're building a groundwork for something more complex to maybe take its place. And we know that there's a ton of money involved right now. Like the, the they mentioned in this article, we I'm kind of basing this conversation on that the tech mental health care space is like a billion dollar industry, right? So we're, we're already entering capitalism and profit motives into the world of mental health in a way that we 
you know, not that they were never there, I guess, in some degree, but we're, we're accelerating this and making it much more about money than it ever has been before. So I'm, I'm concerned. Most of my pushback is concerned about where we're going, not necessarily where we are right now. I definitely feel like there's so many things that go into this. I'm going to try not to like make my entire point in one statement, (laughs) (laughs) but I also think like things to consider when we're thinking about this app is what is it solving for? So is the intention for it to take the place of provider care or is it a tool to use alongside? Mm -hmm. And then also what is the app doing? So is it again, just providing that touch point, just giving you suggestions, or is it also driving people to other resources? And again, kind of bridging the gap between services. Because in the original article, that is what the person who was describing their interaction, they, I believe, were from the UK, and there was a long wait. So this was kind of in the place while they wait for I guess a person therapist. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I'll, I'll just, so people have reference the, the first article that I think people are mostly referring to is a times piece titled my therapist, the robot. And so like, here's just one relevant uh, excerpt. The wait times between appointments were excruciating. You can't wait even a week. Seven days is a long time for a mental patient to wait just to talk to somebody for an hour. Sometimes during that hour, you can't even form the words that you want to express. To your point, Aaron, that you know there, there are gaps in coverage even for those who have a therapist and are meeting with them regularly. There's plenty of time in between. Yeah. And that's one of the things about therapy that people, even when you're going once a week, that seems like pretty frequent. But when you think about like how many hours you're awake and going through your life and experiencing various triggers, various uh, interactions that may put you in a bad way, like once a week, is not enough to make, you know, like foundational changes? Like probably not. And that is one of the like biggest drop off points of therapy that people feel like they went there to solve something. And it's a lot harder than that. (laughs) And again, talking to someone once a week isn't going to necessarily solve for these things. So I think, again, the app could fill in some of those gaps so that people are getting more assistance throughout the day regularly. Now to address like the capital aspect of it, one, we can't act like our healthcare isn't kind of in the same way that providers don't also make decisions on care based on profit motives. But also, secondly, I think one of the biggest things that we're looking at is legislation around it. So again, with licensed therapists, they have you know an ethical code that they go by. They have certain practices and procedures. Whereas with these apps, a lot of them aren't as regulated as we would need them to be. So, of course, part of integrating these into a system of care would be to be making sure that we have legislation that really protects patients, confidentiality, and things along that way. So we don't (laughs) get to a situation where apps are just like selling off our data in one other realm of our life, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so something that was mentioned early on is that, you know, is this a full replacement or is it 
one aspect of a larger suite of resources and, and, and treatments. And the creator of the app that was particularly being featured in, in this article, Wobot, which I think we can all agree is the best part of the app. <laughs> the name. The, yeah. the name, exactly. <laughs> the The creator of it is definitely on the side of saying this is not a standalone solution. And the person says, in an ideal world, Wobot is one tool in a very comprehensive ecosystem of options. So that's that's the ideal even coming from the app creator. So, okay, fair enough. And I suppose it's it gets less horrifying the less we depend on an app to do, right? And... Even just as we were having this conversation, I had a thought that I hadn't really uh, had before, just reframed it in in the sense that, like, how much different really is an AI app therapist than a search algorithm, right? Like, instead of inputting a search term and getting a list of results, you're inputting you know, but not in the form of a search, but inputting sort of answers to questions or this is how I'm feeling. And, and the technology is, you know, smarter than the average search algorithm. And it is sort of understanding what you mean when you don't know what you mean. And the results are, you know, pieces of advice of, you know, here's a thing you could do. And, and, you know, they're, the way they're described is, you know, trained on real therapy techniques, real exercises that people can do. They're not flying totally by the seat of their pants or, or you know, it, it, I guess like the solutions are not things that technologists made up, right? The the solutions, the exercises, the practices that these apps recommend for people are based on what real therapists may do and say, right? So when you take a big step back and and squint a little bit, like to me, it sort of just strikes me as a very smart search engine that, you know, a, a person with, you know, who needs help with their mental health, um, but doesn't know how to search for it can, you know, interact with this interface that'll give them solutions that are approximate to what they need when they don't know what they need or how to search for it. One of the things that we also like need to add to that is that the access that someone in a lower economic situation who barely has access, like most of the services that they would then be able to receive are state funded. Um, and again, these are providers who have enormous caseloads so they're not actually getting the time that they need. And then you go to, again, the problem that was in the article, which is, you know, long wait times for those. Sometimes they only like allow walk-ins. So you have to get there, you know, first thing and you could be waiting hours before you're actually seen. Um, so, I mean, to me, and I'm not like I'm technology hesitant. <laughs> so I, I'm not, I'm just playing, you know, the other side, because I do think that this is a complex issue. So while I do hear what you're saying, because like that human interaction, it does allow for those things. I do think you can develop AI to be that. My concern then begins, 
to be like that you're giving so much data to who. So my concern is more the accountability that Mm -hmm. if there's not legislation, if there's not things that are being done to protect people utilizing these tools. And then, you know, we can also talk about the other side, which is capitalism. So do you have to pay for these apps? Because if you do, then obviously that creates more barriers. Technology is always going to be a barrier on that side. But those are things that I think there are solutions for. What I, what I was concerned with mostly, and I think Jay kind of brought it up, is like in an ideal world, this would do mm-hmm. X. We're not in the ideal world. We're already in a world where the capitalist motivations f- of this have made it so there are fewer therapists, have made it so they are overworked. So what is this going to do? Is it going to help the therapists that are overworked? Or is it going to drive down how much they can even bill for because it's putting off all this work on this AI bot that they can charge whatever they want to charge for and not pay anybody on the other end. So that makes the, the, you know, the supply of therapists dwindle because, you know, if you're not going to make any money doing it, like there's a very few people that are going to do a job that you can't make a living wage. And if the, you know, the wages of these people keep going down and they do because mental health is such a neglected aspect of healthcare in this country already. I don't see it being something that would supplement and make better. I think it would be something that does the stupid tech bro disruption thing. And like, if it's, if it's a better search engine, well, think about Google 10 years ago when you did a search for anything the best possible result that they could, that the algorithm could come up with came to the top. Now it's the most paid mm-hmm. search result. So how will that work its way into this? The AI, like, is it going to direct you to the fancy woo woo expensive therapy or is it going to direct you to some real, whatever you can afford resources? And I just, you know, that's, just being cynical, I don't think it's going to do that. Now, that's an exciting dystopian future that I, I could really sink <laughs> my teeth into and, and never participate in. But if if the therapy bots could partner with the Pokemon Go style internet <laughs> capitalism where the game is free, so everyone in the world gets free therapy – And it just so happens that the therapy we provide, in addition to a bunch of good advice, is to encourage you to go to your local, you know, spas who will, you know, be paying kickbacks (laughs) to the app. And yeah, that that I can see that I can see happening for sure. I mean, keep keep an eye out for the free therapy bot (laughs) coming your way soon. Freemium. Premium therapy, yeah. but yeah. Well, I mean, what you said, Dion, that, that that ideal world thing caught my ear too. And I just, I, I do, I can't help it, but look at the techno optimism right there in that statement. Yes, I'm sure that person is like, I've created something really good. That's like, it for today's free sample. Paying members like, no, no, are who make this entire people, show absolutely. possible. And but so these bonus say, episodes are really just well, a fun way to say thanks to them world, for their support. In addition to these full bonus episodes, members also get really bonus clips in every single regular episode, as well as perks in our Discord community. The Discord community is free for anyone to join, but there's a members-only area where 
recommendations of all kinds are shared, both from listeners and producers of the show. So if you'd like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestofleft.com slash support directly from our Patreon page or from right inside the Apple Podcasts app. And if you can't afford a membership, I offer free financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email to j at bestofleft.com and we will get you all set up, no questions asked. Or again, to sign up, visit bestofleft.com slash support. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.